Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Acts chapter 14, if you would open up to Acts 14 with me, if you would. Uh, We're going to start reading at verse 20. We ended at verse 20 last week, but I want to pick up from there. And because what, we, what we're seeing here is the end of Paul and Barnabas's missionary journey. So we'll look at, as we go through Acts, a few missionary journeys. Uh, but this was the first one, that Paul and Barnabas were anointed in the beginning of Acts 13 and then sent out on these missionary journeys. And so let's look at verse 20 of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. But after the disciples had gathered around him, this is Paul, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, So they're ending their missionary journey. And so they begin the turn to go back to Antioch from where they came. Verse 21, they preached the good news in that city, that's, that's Derby, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Attilia. From Attilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So I want to put up just uh, briefly this morning uh, because I want to show you what this actually looked like. So this was the missionary journey. Over here is Syria, which, which is, uh, we have Syria today. Uh, but this at the very top is what we would know as Turkey. And so when we're looking at this missionary journey, this red line is the first uh, leg of that. And then what we just read is Paul and Barnabas here in Derby, And they begin, or the, they go over to, from Lystra to Derby, And then they turn around and then they come back. I, I'm putting this up this morning because I want you to see that they followed the route back for a few reasons, but they followed the route back until they got to Perga and then Attilia, and then they went back over to Antioch. But you can see here, and this is why I want you to catch this, that they visited the cities again, with the exception of two. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is that they have received some amazing results in this first missionary journey. Just Uh, two uh, books or two chapters here in the book of Acts, there were some amazing results that came out of this. And this is where God used Paul and Barnabas to get the gospel to the ends of the earth so that the Gentiles would even believe in what Jesus had done for them and begin to receive that. 
But Paul and Barnabas went back through these cities. But I want us to think about what we've talked about for a few weeks now. There were some hard moments for Paul and Barnabas on this trip. They were, they were, they were anointed by the elders of the church in Antioch. They laid hands on them. They fasted and they prayed. And then they were sent out. And you would think if God has ordained a path before us, it's going to be smooth sailing. But that's a lie from the enemy. Because sometimes there's smooth sailing and sometimes there's not smooth sailing. So I want to just point out a couple of things from Acts 13 and 14 that they actually went through. In Acts chapter 13, at the beginning, we see that there was strong opposition from the false prophet Bar-Jesus. And then in Acts 13, 13, Paul and Barnabas took a guy by the name of John Mark with them. And when we get to Acts 13, 13, John Mark bailed on them. And he went home early. And then when we get to Acts 13, verse 45, it says, When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. And then in chapter 14, verse 2, the unbelieving Jews, these are the ones who did not believe in Jesus, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Those are some strong words. In verse 5, it says, A violent attempt was made by both the Jews and the Gentiles with their rulers to abuse and stone them. And then we know that Paul actually was stoned and left for dead. In verse 19, after the stoning, it says, They dragged him, this is Paul, out of the city, Supposing him to be dead. But Paul then rose up and went back into the city. And then in this passage, as they're beginning to reroute themselves through some of these cities where multitudes, thousands of people began to believe in Jesus Christ, they then share in verse 22 of Acts chapter 14. And I want you to look at this verse because this is where the Lord has truly captured me this week. And this is our launching point, if you will. I'm going to put it on the screen, but I want you to look at it. I want you to highlight it, and I want you to wrestle with this verse this week. This is what Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Remember, Luke recording this. Luke says this. This is Paul and Barnabas. They were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Now, remember, we see that they made this loop almost kind of like the letter C a little, if you will. And then they're beginning the routes back. And so they're coming back through all of these cities. And this is what they were doing. They were doing verse 22. They were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith. This is an amazing work that Paul and Barnabas were going back to these cities. Now remember the opposition that they faced. We looked at a few verses and a few things that they actually went through in those cities. And despite the opposition that they went through in all of those cities, they went back to those cities because the burden on their heart was to strengthen the believers in every one of those cities. So um, we moved to a a different house um, several months back. And in this house that we live in now, uh, it has a swimming pool. This is the second time um, that we've actually had a swimming pool. I haven't swam in this swimming pool yet, but in the very back of, of where our swimming pool is, 
um, there's a tree that was planted, and it's grown up, and then there are some branches um, from this tree that lean over the swimming pool, and so there are some leaves that get into the swimming pool, and over the, the past couple of weeks, there's just some dirt that's got down in the bottom of the swimming pool. And one of the things that I've done a few times uh, in looking at the, the dirt that collects in certain spots of the swimming pool, I've noticed that the dirt doesn't move. And so I went to um, the pool supply store, and I bought a brush. Uh, I already had a, the pole for it. I brought a brush. And one of the things that I've gone out uh, and, and I've done several times is I've, I've swept the bottom of the pool to stir up the dirt inside of the pool. Because if you've ever had a swimming pool, you know that a swimming pool has a filter on it with a pump. And even though the pump is running and it's filtering the water, you still get some sediments on the bottom of the swimming pool from time to time. And what you have to do from time to time is get the brush when these sediments, the dirt or the leaves from from the trees actually get to the bottom of the pool, you have to get the brush and you have to stir those things up so that they can then disperse among the water and it can go through the filter and it can do its job. And so I was out on Friday. I did that. There was some dirt there. There were some leaves there. I got the brush. I swept it up. And I thought, what I'm doing now is I'm stirring up this dirt so that the filter and the pump can do its job to get it outside of there. I'm stirring it up. And this verse, verse 22 of Acts 14, hit me. When Paul's going back through these cities, Paul and Barnabas are going back through these cities, and they're strengthening the disciples. You know what they were doing? They were brushing the spiritual souls of these disciples that had just come to faith on their first trip through these cities. They were encouraging them in the faith, stirring up the things that were inside of them so the Holy Spirit could do its job to filter out the junk that did not need to be in their lives. And then, you probably didn't catch it, but one of the things that Pastor Morgan prayed for us this morning was, Lord, stir up inside of us your Holy Spirit. You know what Paul and Barnabas were doing? They were stirring up the relationship that these believers actually had in Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit could do its job and actually work in the lives of these believers. They were encouraging them to grow a strong soul in relationship to Jesus Christ. They were encouraging them to actually walk in this newness of life, this relationship that they had actually received from God so that their soul would actually be strong. So if we were to think about our greatest need of all mankind, of all flesh, one of the greatest needs that every one of us have is that we want to be needed and we want to be loved. Paul was not so much loved in these cities as he was going back through them. One, they stoned him and left him for dead. Others, they called him a blasphemer. They called him a liar. 
Strong opposition actually rose up against him, but yet they continued, despite that need that they had inside of him, they continued being strong in the faith and encouraging the other disciples to actually be strong in their faith as well. One of the things that, as a part of this need inside of us to actually be loved, is we want to belong to something. We want to be a part of something. And so at some point in our lives, we actually begin thinking about what is the legacy that we are actually going to live. And then we begin to pursue that legacy with a vengeance because we want to be able to pass something down, to make a name for ourselves, if you will, to be a part of something that is actually significant. And we see this in the financial world. We see it in the IT world. We see it in in politics. We see it in art, academics, writing. And we could go on and on and on where people pursue these things with a passion because they then, then want to leave a legacy. And there are people that pursue these things with a mindset of they actually want to be the best of everything. But here's the problem. Not all of us can be the best. None of us can actually achieve the same thing and be at the same level and then say that we are the best and then all of us be the best. None of us can do that because not all of us can actually be the best in everything. But yet the flesh sometimes, when it takes over, we pursue these things and we actually chase these things. The chances are None of us here today are actually going to go on and be president someday. Some of you may, but the chances of that happening are very, very slim. Because we're only in the mid-40s and the number of presidents that our country has ever had, ever, in the entire time of our country. The chances of one of us actually starting a Microsoft and that company actually become, it's very, very slim. The chances of us starting a Google or a huge company along those lines, it's very, 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 very slim. The problem is most of us will not be able to do those things. It doesn't happen to very many people. But here's something that every one of us can do. And that's grow a strong soul in Jesus Christ. Every one of us have the tools and resources that we need to grow a strong soul. And do you know what Paul and Barnabas were doing as they wrapped up this missionary journey? Despite the hardships and despite the persecution and despite Paul being stoned and dragged outside of the city and left for the dogs and the birds to be dead... They encouraged the believers and went back to those towns, and they strengthened their faith. Look at verse 42 again. It says, they strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. They were encouraging them to build a strong soul. A lot of us would pursue goals in life. A lot of us will pursue financial goals. A lot of us will pursue uh, career goals. A lot of us will pursue relational goals. But very few of us add to our list of goals growing a strong soul. And so what I want to encourage you to do, to place at the top of your list of goals, is a goal to grow a strong soul. Above financial goals above relational goals, above career goals, above every other goal in your life. 
When Paul and Barnabas went back to these cities, did they then begin to preach, get your financial house in order? Uh Uh-uh. Now, that's wise to do, and you need to do that because we have to be good stewards with that which God has entrusted to us. Because if we are not good stewards, then we have not been faithful to the God that entrusted us or blessed us to begin with. You've got to be a good steward. It's wise to have your financial house in order. But that's not what Paul and Barnabas preached to them. Those things are a byproduct of having a strong soul in relationship with Jesus Christ. They did not preach, get your relationships in order. You know what Paul and Barnabas preached? We see it back in Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, verse 38 and 39, here's what they preached. Therefore, my friends, these are Paul's exact words that he preached in the cities. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. You see, Paul and Barnabas were actually preaching that your soul is eternal. And the things that we make goals for here on this earth are temporal, and they're not going to last. And so if your soul is eternal, then your number one goal that you have to have in your life is to grow a strong soul. And if you grow a strong soul, then Jesus' words are, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of this other stuff is going to be added down the road. You see, Paul and Barnabas were going back to these cities again, encouraging them to keep the faith and encouraging them to be strong in their faith because they were taking Jesus' words and saying, you've got to apply it in your life. You are God's creation. And he wants to be in relationship with every single one of us. And if the God who is all-powerful that we sang about, and if God did die for us, which he did, to give us this relationship, then we have a responsibility to respond to his invitation to this relationship so that we can build a strong soul in our lives. That is our duty. In, in Ephesians 1, Paul wrote these words, and I want you to catch them. Ephesians 1, verse 4. This is talking about God. And then his relationship with us, his creation. Ephesians 1.4, Paul says, Even before he, God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Man, if, if you don't catch anything this morning, and if you've been sleeping, and if you've been tuned out, and you're like, I'm just thinking about lunch, and I'm ready to get out of here, tune into this verse. Because there is some power that if you apply this to your life, you will understand who and whose you are. And this will be a verse that will allow you to build a strong soul because you will understand what God has done for you. Before the foundation of the world, God knew you. Before the trees were ever spoken into existence, Before there were ever birds, before the water and land and light and darkness was ever made, God knew you. Wow. 
God knew that you were going to come into existence. And God ordained it. And then we can grab the scripture from the psalm and see that he actually did the knitting in your mother's womb to actually make you so that you understand the importance of growing a strong soul. Growing a relationship with the one who knew you before the world was actually made. Now look at this verse again. I want you to catch this. Even before he made the world, God loved us. So even before there was water, light, darkness, trees, birds, everything. He loved you and he chose you in Christ. And there's purpose in that. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. And that's where you come into this relationship. He paved the way for this to be possible. Because as Paul said here, as we looked at the passage of what they actually preached, these things could not be obtained under the law of Moses. They couldn't do it. They tried, but it was impossible for 4,000 or so years. And so God sent Jesus 2,000 years ago to make this possible so that you would be faultless and without sin in his eyes. And you that he dreamed of before the world was ever even spoken into existence could have a strong soul or a strong relationship in Jesus Christ. And this is that which Paul and Barnabas went back through the cities actually proclaiming to these believers to strengthen their faith. Now I want you to listen. And I want you to catch this because this is vital for you. No one can grow a strong soul for you. It is impossible. Your spouse can't. Your parents can't. We can't do it at Warner Christian Academy. We can't do it at Whitechapel Church. There is nobody. Paul and Barnabas couldn't do it. For the believers in these towns that they went back through, that is only something that you can do. And so we can whine and fuss and say, oh, I just wish my faith was stronger. Well, grow up and take the responsibility upon yourself because nobody can do it for you. One of my favorite preachers passed away a couple of weeks ago, Charles Stanley. And I watched his funeral. A um, couple hours, amazing, amazing, amazing service, amazing memorial service for him. And they showed some of the clips from his messages throughout the decades of his time uh, in serving First Baptist Church in Atlanta, his 50 years actually being there, on staff there. And one of the things that he talked about is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And in one of the clips that they showed, that they, they put the fullness of it on their on InTouch's Facebook page, if, is if you watch this, he talked about our responsibility in relationship with Jesus Christ. And in this, Dr. Stanley said, God has given you a gift, and that gift is a relationship. And God is willing to go with you to the end of your life in that relationship. But you, in entering into that relationship, have some responsibilities that only you can do. Dr. Stanley got into the passage in Hebrews where the writer of Hebrews is condemning some of, some of the readers to the letter. 
and saying, you're still on milk, but some of you need to grow up and start having some meat in spiritual relationships. And we can whine that we're still eating milk, but you've got to grow the soul. You've got to grow the relationship with God that he's invited you into. You've got to step into it. And this is the message that Paul and Barnabas were delivering to these believers. Now watch what was happening. Paul and Barnabas had already gone through these cities and thousands of people came to relationship with Jesus Christ. But they didn't abandon them and say, you're good, we'll see you in heaven. They went back and helped them and encouraged them to strengthen their faith. And so the church is vital. You've got to be with other believers because we encourage each other. And we push each other to grow the soul that God desires for us to have in relationship with him. But Paul and Barnabas also knew that they could not do the work for the believers. Now, the believers needed them to encourage and strengthen them, but the believers had to step up to the plate and swing the bats for themselves. You see, what Paul and Barnabas were doing were putting the brush on the end of the pole and stirring up the believers to allow the filter of the Holy Spirit to do its work. But you've got to step up to the plate and say, hey, God, I'm tired of being a baby Christian. I'm tired of eating spiritual milk, and I'm ready to grow up. Would you strengthen my faith as I show up and I walk in faithfulness and obedience to you? Not all of us, not all of us, not all of us will ever be able to be president, start a Microsoft, or start a Google. But every one of us can grow a strong soul in relationship with Jesus Christ. You just have to do it. Now we're going to keep everything, doing everything we can as a church to help you, to encourage you, and to strengthen you. And in the moments that you're exhausted and you can't stand on your own, then we have an obligation to our brothers and sisters to help hold them up until they're strengthened that they can walk on their own. It's just like a mother or father would do for their own child. And in the world, in, in the United States, we have laws that protect children from neglect from their parents. You see, we have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility to each other and Paul and Barnabas were delivering on that responsibility in revisiting these cities. We will do everything we can to help you grow a strong soul. But you've got to do the work for yourself. God gave you an invitation to relationship. You have to respond to that invitation. The responsibility is every single one of ours. So what does a deep soul look like? I want to take just a couple of minutes this morning and figure out what does a, a strong soul actually look like? What does a strong soul, or how does a strong soul actually live? Well, this is what Jesus said about it. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's where you begin. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. You actually start right there. You have a part and God has a part. And God has shown up. 
and God has given us his part, we have to take and eat and then digest his word and digest and invite the Holy Spirit into us to actually let that live out in all of our lives. His plan was to capture the heart of his people. He did his work on the cross. There was no plan B. There was no other option for God than mankind and being in relationship with mankind. And so God desires for you to be in relationship with him, but you've got to step up and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. God wants you to actually be with him. But this is not accidental. A a, a strong soul is not something that actually happens by accident. It is something that God actually pushes us to and invites us to. Psalm 27, verse 8. Catch catch what the psalmist says here. The psalmist says, My heart says of you, God. Seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. So once you begin to love the Lord, then this has to be your next step to actually seek his face. You've got to seek him. Your face, the the psalmist says, your face I will seek. This is what seeking means. Seeking means to pursue after. Seeking means to inquire, to ask questions of, to look for. Seeking is active. It is not passive. Seeking is not something that happens automatically. It never happens by accident. Now, occasionally, occasionally, my grandma used to say, a blind squirrel finds a nut. Occasionally, that happens. But someone, someone that is not seeking to grow a strong soul, that doesn't happen. You have to step up every moment that you have available to seek his face. It doesn't happen by accident. You have to go after it. You know what I believe? I believe that there are no strong souls that have a bland relationship with Jesus. I want to say that again because I want you to catch it. I believe that there are no strong souls that have a bland relationship with Jesus. Because just like, just like the songwriter said, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And that's what Paul and Barnabas were actually living out. They had, Paul had been stoned and left for dead. People had lied about them. People had turned their backs and done everything they could to get them out of their cities and take their lives in all of the cities that they went to. But yet Paul and Barnabas lived out the words of that song. I'm going to go back to that city because it's a new day. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the one before. You know what's interesting to me? Look at verse 22 again because I want you to catch this. Paul and Barnabas, this is their work. This passage is actually talking about them. It says, Paul and Barnabas were strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Now, imagine what it was like for those that tried to kill Paul. And they drug him out of the city and left him for dead. They left him at the gates for the birds and the dogs. And then he shows back up in the city again. Could you imagine what some of those people thought? We thought we killed you. We thought you were gone, but they came back to the city. And then the last part here, 
Catch what Paul and Barnabas said. They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Do you know what that says to me? Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. We don't care about the hardships. We don't care that they tried to stone us. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Was it comfortable? Absolutely not. But none of that matters because they had an obligation to help other people grow strong souls. And those people came back so that their their souls could actually be strengthened, so that their relationship with Jesus could actually be stronger. The people were doing the work that was actually needed so that they would be able to have a strong soul. Now, I want to give you a warning because this is the point where a lot of people actually start to check out. When we talk about hardships, when we talk about difficulties, a lot of people will check out here because they'll think, as long as God doesn't require anything of me, as long as God doesn't want to change anything in me, as long as nobody wants to stir anything up inside of me so the Holy Spirit can do His work, and as long as God doesn't want to... um, Uh, involve himself in my personal interests or in my time or my finances, as long as none of those things uh, are requirements of God, then I'm okay having a relationship with Jesus. A lot of people think that, and then they'll check out if we want to go a little bit further. But this verse in Psalms is where the fruit is. This is it. Seek his face. Seek his face. We read this one a little earlier, Psalm 73, verse 28. It's good to be near God. It is good to be near God. So when you are near God and when you seek his face, this is where we find the fruit. When you spend time with God and let him do his work inside of you and you just are obedient and you are investing in the relationship that with you have that you actually have with God, then you will actually have a strong soul. Jeremiah said it this way in verse 29 or chapter 29 verse 13 and 14. This is what God says. Jeremiah recorded God's words and this is what Jeremiah tells us God says, "You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart." I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now listen, this verse was God's word to a rebellious Israel. And if God wanted a rebellious Israel to seek him and find him, then how much more on this side of Calvary's cross does he want us to seek him and actually find him? Here's where the fruit is for our lives. I'm inviting you to a buffet of spiritual growth that you have to step up and make the plate and then consume it. God says, I want you to find me. The psalmist declared, I will seek you. I will seek your face. God says, when you seek me, you will find me. That is a promise direct from God. It is not something that is, happens occasionally. It is not something that may happen or may not happen. It is a promise from God. When you seek him with all of your heart and when you are pursuing him and you want to grow a deep soul, he will be found. But you've got to come to the buffet. You've got to do the one to step up and make the plate. You then have to pay, take the utensils and actually begin to feed yourself. 
Day in and day out, the things that we do here in the ministries of Whitechapel Church are to help you grow a strong soul. This world needs this refuge of grace, and in order for us to be the refuge of grace that God desires for us, then we have to have people that have a strong soul, a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Because never will people come here and see weak faith and say, hey, I want some of that. Because they've got weakness in the world. And the God that we serve is not a weak God. He is the all-powerful God. We sang about it this morning, and we can sing about it, but we've got to get it into our soul. And the way that we do that is to seek him, and then when he is found, which he's actually promised, then we have to allow him to build a faith inside of us in this refuge of grace so that those who aren't here are captured by the power of Almighty God. Have you ever played hide-and-seek with your kids? Have you, ever, have you ever been playing hide-and-seek? Some of us think that God's playing hide-and-seek with us, but he's not. That's a lie from the enemy, that God is hiding and we can't find him. God only hides from sin because sin and God cannot exist together. And that's why there was a veil that was put into the temple. So that the presence of God would be blocked from the sinful on the outside. And whenever someone who had sin actually entered and had not gone through the proper cleansing, actually stepped into the holy of holies, their life was taken. Because sin cannot exist in the presence of God. I want to tell you something that I hope that you sense, the presence of God is here with us. He's right here with us. And what he wants to do is to get the brush and put it on the end of the stick to stir up the deposits that are inside of us, to cleanse us from all of those things so that we can stand under the power and the authority of Almighty God so that we can be the refuge of grace that he actually desires for us to be. But we have to be willing to allow him to do that. There is no vanilla, bland, status quo spiritual life. There is only a spiritual life that is rooted on the almighty, all-powerful Jesus Christ. God wants you to be with him. Are you willing to be with him? Are you willing Are you willing to grow a strong soul? To be who he wants you to be? I want to ask you to write something down. Because I believe that this is the key to to growing a strong soul and building a strong relationship with Jesus Christ. It's something that two mighty men in my life shared with me that I go back to a lot And in dry times where I don't sense the presence of God, I go back to this and seek his face. And when I seek his face, he's always found. This is what we have to be willing to do. Find unhurried. Write down the word unhurried. And the next word is uninterrupted time with God. You have to find unhurried and uninterrupted time with God. Now, for some people, that's four in the morning. For other people, 
Thank God, because that's not me. It's later in the day. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He's not confined by time. It doesn't have to be in the morning before the birds start chirping. It can be anywhere that's unhurried and uninterrupted. Now, there are times that I will go into a closet up here on the balcony, and I'll sit with God, and I'll say, God, I've got 30 minutes. I'll have to set, I'll have to set a timer, and I'll just get on my face before God. If, if that's how you do parts of it, that's great. But yet there has to be other time in my schedule where it's unhurried and it's uninterrupted and it's just you and God. Because the enemy is the master of interruptions. The enemy is the master of hurry. And if you're willing to spend unhurried, uninterrupted time with God and seek his face, you will grow a strong soul. You'll have a strong relationship. You know what they, they tell us in counseling? Great marriages don't happen by accident. You've got to invest in the relationship. Well, that's true in the spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. A great, strong relationship with God doesn't happen by accident. You have to invest in the relationship. Oh, God invested in it. He invested in it to the point that he came and wrapped himself in flesh and died so that you could be in the relationship. But he's waiting for you to seek, to seek his face. He's waiting for you to step up to the plate and say, God, I want a strong soul. So this is, I think, the key for us. Psalm 73, verse 28. I shared it with you earlier. I shared it with you before I prayed. But for me, it's good to be near God. For me, it's good to be near God. That's the unhurried, uninterrupted time with God. Write this verse down in Psalm 73, verse 28. Or just jot, jot down Psalm 73, verse 28. And then as you read it this week, I want you to ask yourself the question, where am, I where am I not near God in my life? Where am I not near God in my life? Where do I have to spend that unhurried, uninterrupted time with him in my life and allow him to examine, to stir things up inside of me so the Holy Spirit can, can do its job in filtering out of us that which he doesn't want to be a part of us. So I want to ask you here at the end of our service to make a commitment this week to make a spiritual goal, whatever that spiritual goal is. One that I would start with is unhurried, uninterrupted time with God because it's out of that that will come a strong soul, a strong relationship with God. I want you to be committed to making a strong goal. We'll make financial goals in our life. We'll make career goals in our life. We'll make relational goals in our life. We're good with all of these other goals, but why don't we start with the one thing that's going to last for eternity? That's our soul. Let's make a goal there, and let's seek his face. That's the commitment that I want you to make this week. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. Pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.